When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Simon Phoenix. Phoenix, Simon. I know him. He's evil in a way you've never read about. He's a criminal the likes of which you have never seen. You don't get it, old Nina Huxley. Phoenix isn't coded. He was chill back during the 20th, before they started lowjacking everybody. Declared his own kingdom in South Central L.A. In a bad time, he was the worst. Oh, it's, an, it's, an, it's a murder-death-kill action movie <laughs> Rewind Friday here. Murder-death-kill. What the wild we're trying to do to the Kings as the puck dropped last night. We'll talk about that, too. We'll wrap with Royce. Uh, shout out to Federated Mutual Insurance Company. Federated has been helping business owners in the Twin Cities and other areas since 1904. They are one of us based in Owatonna, Minnesota, and they've brought even more tools and value to their game in 2021 with the recently launched My Shield, the online client destination for risk management resources. Now, as a business owner, how helpful would it be for you to have employee training at your fingertips? Industry resources that can help your business Reach another level of success. That is where Federated and MyShield come in. You can find out more about how your business can feel that frontline protection and, uh, and can be peace of mind uh, regarding things related to risk. Go to federatedinsurance.com and click on the MyShield link or download the app. And remember, at Federated, it's our business to protect yours. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. So far, they all do. I mean, uh, we're yeah, we're we're gonna see. I mean, shoot, we're gonna see Colorado four more times, like four in a row. So it's it's gonna happen. I mean, it, it, you're not gonna see a lull. Um, you know, a month or whatever, you don't see a team. So yeah, there's gonna be. You know, there's going to be, you know, some heated blood uh, from from spillover, even if it's not that next game. Murder, death, kill. Murder, death, oh, kill. So much to talk about <laughs> on AMR this week, isn't there? <laughs> AMR and the Minnesota Wild kind of kind of blended together last night. Yeah, P- there's nothing wrong did, with that in some ways. Did the gloves drop first or the puck last night? What What hit the ice first, the puck or the gloves? Uh, it was pretty much, in my opinion, simultaneous, but it was the puck hit first, and then the gloves uh, dropped immediately. For and- Declan, it's Royal Rumble weekend. It's like the, there was a Royal Rumble where we had two guys, two guys hit the floor at the same time like 30 right. years ago. Was it oh, Ric Flair? Well, and then it also there. happened uh, like 15 years ago, and Vince McMahon was so upset that he tore both of his quads That's legitimately right. getting in the ring. Yeah, I thought that was going to happen with the, with the next line, get out to yeah. def- defend 
defend you, the troops. Come on, it was a spontaneous fight. You a winger a, you, and defenseman, it's a spontaneous fight. You were I, fighting I mean, with the, Ryan Carter on Twitter last night about this. It was great. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was. So there are certain things in my old age now that <laughs> bother me greatly, and one of, <laughs> and one is stupid waste of time in sports. Um, in sports, in sports, well, because because general, because yeah. one of the things that bugs me the most in baseball is bench clearing brawls. There's no reason for them; they should never happen. I love when the bullpen just like yeah. casually. Everybody, jogs up. by the who, time we get there, maybe it'll be over. Everybody who leaves the dugout or bullpen should get ten games. Like a bench clearing brawl in baseball is: I hit you, you're mad, you charge me. Guess what? If you do that, we can have a fight. But no one else can be involved. But you could make an argument, at least in a bench-clearing brawl in baseball, and I am not condoning, like, taking a rock and throwing it 100 miles at someone's head. Like, once in a while I'll condone it, but not very often. But at least that can be explained through, like, well, heat of the moment, that guy got pissed at that guy, sure, and no. then, like, they just brawled. Right, right. right but Last night they started a fight before the game even started. Yeah, and and my point about baseball is there's no reason for other people to be allowed. Like, if I'm playing right field, I'm not pissed off. I got to get involved. No, you don't, Johnny. Stay, stay in, stand where you are. Ah, uh, you stupid punk. Stand back and stand by. Yeah, stand back and stand, stand by. Back I'm, and stand oh, by. man, 45. Uh, so anyway, uh, this started, it was, despite the fact that I believe my friend Ryan Carter disagrees with me, it was clearly prearranged. <laughs> it was clearly because this is a forward, a winger, and a defenseman. The defenseman, last time I checked, start the game standing near the blue line, not right by the guy that they fight, okay? So they clearly, at some point in time, in game two of, in the fourth game of the season between the two teams, okay? But game two of back-to-backs, they clearly arranged at some point that these two, uh, and it was Marcus Foligno for the Wild and defenseman Curtis McDermott, uh, for the Kings, who, by the way, by today's standard, is a pugilist. Like, he's, I, I think he had five fights last year, so he gets in fights. And if there's a guy on the wild who's going to fight, it's Greenway or Felino. So they decide to throw down essentially three seconds into the game. <laughs> All right. Okay. So I, they must have got really mad at each other. Yeah. Like, Everything was great, and then one guy well, made a cross comment about the other guy's give you girlfriend wearing army boots or something. I'll give you, or, or mom, I'll give you an example of a fight, a uh, stage fight that I saw on Saturday between the Canucks and Canadians, and in that one, they were playing, I think, the second or third of of consecutive games, and there had been a Canucks defenseman who had put a very questionable hit the game before on a Montreal forward. Okay. So they showed during the pregame warm-ups, they, they went back and showed this, that the two guys who staged the fight arranged it during warm-ups. So, like, they're standing on the on each side of their ice, and, and the one guy from the Canadians basically tells the guy who threw the cheap shot on the Montreal player, just very quickly you can see we're going to fight, and the guy, like, shakes his head, okay. So, like, these things oh, are, they're prearranged. Which I hate. It's so weird. So they. Why doesn't the fight happen right after the hit happens? Um, like if if the hit yeah. happens and it it's does like, sometimes, well, what did you just do to my guy? And and, and then there's yeah. a melee. Like, all right, so, well, that's more understandable. It does sometimes. You know, I slept on this, and I thought about this, <laughs> yeah. and I'm going to fight you today. We're so, gonna, we're going to wake up at the crack of dawn and walk ten watching, paces and turn around. Parks and Rec. I can't wait to fight that guy tomorrow <laughs> evening. 
I know. But can I give you, so I'm going to give you, though, because there's a lot of different tentacles to the conversation, but I'm going to give you the one, and I guess this was discussed, and I think this was Carter's point to me, and he did play the game. I love that one. You can't argue with the guy who played the game. Um, Take a lap. <laughs> the, the argument was this. That really got the club going. All right? Now, as I tweeted carts back, and this is the and this is the thing he's going to have to accept if that's if that's what you believe, and you work for Fox Sports North, it is imperative then that you voice your displeasure with the preparation of your team. And here's why: you are eight games into a fifty-six game season. Every game matters. You've lost two consecutive games to very questionable, and in the case of the Sharks. Crappy teams, okay? Yeah, they're bad. If I need Marcus Foligno to stage a fight to start a game <laughs> because I'm so damn mentally weak, and, and I mean, I want to hear him talk about this. Fox Sports North, talk about this. If you think the Wild is this mentally weak, what do you think of the guys on this roster? What do you think of the coaching? And what are the problems? And here's the other hockey thing that is trying to this drives me up the bleeping wall, okay? Everson finally last night put together lines that made more sense, right? And guess who played better? Some of the the guys were put on lines that made more sense. Are you sure that's why they play better? I think it's the spark. Yeah, I th- exactly. I th- I got the boys going. <laughs> exactly. Exa- that's the exact notion. That's the hockey thing that you think that what got them going. And if they needed that, they're screwed. They're absolutely screwed. Well, I mean, are they screwed? Couldn't they? Couldn't they just start more fights? And feel That's motivated the thing more is, often? Are you going to start a fight at the beginning of every single game? Actually, can I? Can I piggyback off? The, I love this. Anyway, I, that's my my biggest problem. Is if you're going to go down that path, then I don't care if you're best friends with wild players. I don't care if you work for Fox Sports North. Then go down the path and follow it up with. I also think this team is mentally weak. It's not often that Judd and I agree on. Uh, on hockey things, I mean, I, I definitely, I will defer to the Judd's Hockey Show crew here on most hockey matters. But if there's one thing I feel very strongly about, and I am rooted in my hockey opinion, it's that staged fights in hockey are about the dumbest thing in professional sports. And I have presented to you, just to piggyback off what, what, what Judd just said, I want to present to you guys an impromptu pecking order here. The five dumbest arguments for staged hockey fights ranked. If you could fire up some NFL films music here, Declan, sure. or whatever kind of music you want to, I really. There we go. Oh, perfect. Oh, All right, here we go. Oh, a little love brass it. Man. Now right. this, this was the fighting days. All right, these are the five dumbest arguments for stage fighting in hockey, ranked one through five. And I'm just going to start with number one. It gets the boys going. It really gets the blood pumping when the boys tap their sticks after a 15 second fight maximum, where really only one guy like lands a clean punch because they're both. Turning their heads and trying to They're stay also balanced. Shields now. They're wearing shields. They're punching shields. They're wearing blades on their feet. They can't get <laughs> balanced, so no one's really landing haymakers. Their knuckles are getting bloody because they're punching each other's helmets. It's not really a fight. They're just sort of like throwing random punches, but it gets the boys going. All right. Ah. If pre planned fighting in hockey gets the boys going, then A. I'm with Judd. I question the boys' motivation and mental engagement, all right? Like, you are a professional athlete. You should just be engaged and fired up when the puck drops, it, I would think, right? 
It's only three hours of your life, two and, and a half hours. It's game eight, too. Like, yeah, it's like, not let's game do 65. Yep. And, and B, if it gets the boys going, then why wouldn't you start a fight for every period, really? Like, wouldn't you want to set the tone? All right, let's, let's drop the gloves and really get the blood pumping. And also, I'll add this, too. If it's such a key part of motivation and strategy and getting everyone's blood pumping, then why in the most important period, the two-month stretch of playoffs of the season, does fighting decrease? Now, it's decreased overall over the last 10 years, but like it yeah. decreases even more in the playoffs. Yeah, because it's not part of the playoffs. Because they, it's, it's about skill and goals and stuff, right? All right. The second dumbest argument for stage fighting in hockey, it gets the fans going. Which helps get the energy flowing for the boys, which in turn gets the boys going. Well, there were no fans in attendance last night. Mm-hmm. So if you're trying but to get the fans I going, see, there were no fans in I can kind of see how it gets the fans involved. But there but is there no were, fans involved. But there involved. were no, there were no right fans now, involved. Correct. The cardboard cutouts were pretty damn exciting. Yeah, those high school hockey teams. Yeah, those, those, those cardboard skippers, cutouts were very... Those Minnetonka skippers, they were yeah. fired up, that cardboard. I, yeah, that's my, I, my I will also baby. add, too, like, because people only think about it from a home perspective. A lot of these fights are initiated by the visiting team as well, and well, they would rather not get and, those fans going. So you can't have it both ways. And off that point, if the boys got going for the home team off that fight, I've got one question. Why didn't the Kings? I'm glad you brought that up because that's my third dumbest argument like, for fighting in hockey. The look-see, they scored goals after the fight argument. That fighting and the boys feeling the blood pumping led to goals. Well, no, they scored goals because that's their job as hockey players, to score goals. Now, if they had scored, like, ten goals, oh, my God, a fight led to more goals than usual, right? Right. right. But the line changes, as Judd mentioned. Uh, Also, they won a bunch of games earlier this year without the benefit of staged fights. So, like, how did they do it? Oh, my God, was, was my question. The fourth dumbest argument for staged fighting in hockey is that, well, the players need to police themselves so guys don't take liberties. And that's great, but there's this other league called the National Football League, which is maybe even more violent because there's more hitting and there's more uh, just fast-paced action than you'll see. I mean, hockey has fast-paced action, but like guys are running full speed and hitting each other on literally every single play well, right. in the and, NFL. And this one had nothing to do with any payback. Like, like this was this was let's fight to start. The game. Why? Just cause. To set the like, tone. Like there was no, there was nothing in the last game, I, I, unless Felino had some type of gripe himself. But like there was no obvious. We need to fight to settle a score. Yeah, zero. And like, okay, so I get that players take liberties. Players take liberties in the NFL too, with in the trenches, with yeah. late hits and, and you know, how often does a guy like try to twist a guy's ankle in a pile? I mean, you see this stuff all the time. Or grab someone. Yep. It happens almost on every play. And what happens in the NFL is the referees hand out penalties and ejections and the league issues fines and suspensions. And so the NHL does that sometimes. But for the most part, the fact that players feel like they have to police themselves is ridiculous. And then the the fifth dumbest argument for staged fighting in hockey is, well, you just don't really understand hockey culture. You never played the game, Mackie. Um, No, I listen, I didn't play the game, but I'm telling you, I understand all of the things that you're trying to explain, and I still think it's stupid. Just to be clear, like, I understand right. what you're trying to say. It's still stupid. Hockey is not as sophisticated as you. You just don't really get too sophisticated for you. No, it, it's not. Stage fighting is stupid. Yes. Period. So. Yes. And and the problem with the comeback of you don't get the game is what they mean is 
you don't get the game circa 1986, okay? Which is fine. You shouldn't. <laughs> yeah, when guys racked up like 500 penalty minutes of the season. But, yeah. the fa- but the fact is, if you really think that this still remains an important part of the game, you've got problems. You don't get the game. But more importantly as well, what you have to do is you have to weigh. So what you're, what you're telling me again is you don't think that the Wild has the mental aptitude to engage in the eighth game of the season Without basically being being give, given a sh- a jolt, some type of shot, boys, and we, I, need, we need something. That I don't know what we're going to do. We need something. And you're that playing I... the Kings, and here and here's the thing. Okay, here's the shot. Here's the jolt. Twenty two and ninety seven are great players. I'm doing everything I can to make them happy and to make them productive. That's the jolt. Star power, not and and look, Felino's a good guy. He should have been the captain. That's the other thing, too. If we're going to give him all this credit, then don't tell me, yeah, shrinking violet Jared Spurgeon's a great captain. I mean, he doesn't say boo, which is fine, but I'm the guy that said, if you think that Felino did the exact right thing and took control, then he should be the captain. Like, you've got to weigh what you're saying. Like, there's two sides to what you're saying. I think I think Spurgeon's a pansy. I don't know why he's not fighting well, before Well, right, exactly. But, but, I mean, so is Spurgeon not a good captain because he, he didn't my fight? Book. Not in my book. And everyone and, and a lot of people were saying to drop the gloves. Marcus Foligno did yeoman's work by doing this. And I'm asking you, I believe that if you stage a fight to start a game, and I tweeted this last night, you should be automatically ejected. There's no reason for it. It's embarrassing. Can you imagine? Like again, I'll make, I'll make one more NFL comparison. Can you imagine if right before the game starts and like Irv Smith or even I'm trying to think of like the 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 Vikings comparison to a Felino caliber player, like a good, like a, he's like a Kyle Rudolph, right? Like he's not your best player. He's decent enough. Well, and he's kind of a leader. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. That's good. So something like that. Yeah. Right. Or uh, I'm trying to think of a defensive equipment, whatever. Let's call it Kyle Rudolph. If Kyle Rudolph decided before the game, I don't know. I don't know if I feel the vibe here. I feel like we need, might need a little spark going into this That's game against the Bears. Hey. Um, so right as the game is starting, Jimmy he Graham. like walks across line of scrimmage and like rips an opposing player's helmet off and starts a fight and gets a 15 yard penalty or something. And like, it's, I don't know. It's just a so sta- ridiculous. A staged fight. <laughs> what, what we saw last night is no different than wrestling. Well, then why don't we award a goal it's or a power play? Listen, if you guys want to fight and we want to leave fighting in hockey, let's, let's lean into it. Let's lean into it. Let's not have it just be this weird thing where everyone kind of clears out for 30 seconds. Let's let's make it official. There's a staged fight. You have to you have to initiate it and then we determine through judges or through uh, a knockout somebody wins the fight and somebody loses the fight. And the winner of the fight, their team either gets a goal or their team gets a power play. Let's actually make it mean something. Let's yeah. take the ambiguity just, out of it. Let's make let's make it part of the actual fabric of the sport. Let's do it. If you have a spontaneous fight, I think eventually they'll be completely gone. But I sort of get that, or I get that one. Okay, but literally, when you drop the puck and you fight, and you're like, and there is nothing, there is no clear reason why you fight other than the boys need a spark tonight. <laughs> are you serious? I mean, are you serious? It is embarrassing. I would eject. I would have ejected both guys immediately. It just looks so stupid. And think about Dex, too. Think about the star power, right? Right. Like, you've got these great players. You've got Kaprizov and Fiala, and the Kings got some great players, too, right? And your big talking point was, look at the tone that was set. Like, think about that. Yeah. 
Coming up tonight, you know, it's going to be the Angels and Mike Trout. But first, let's talk about the backup catcher who started a fight in batting practice to set the tone for this game. Let's not worry about Trout. You know, yeah. come on. Come on. It, it's, I don't have a big problem with fighting in general in hockey. Um, I agree with you that it has to be in the right circumstance. And it's certainly not dropping the puck two seconds into a game against a horse bleep team, the Los Angeles Kings. And, like, if, if you lost, all right, there might be a case where, let's say at the end of the game, with the last time the Kings played on Tuesday night, um, you know, McDermott ran over Capo, like just a cheap shot on the goaltender, and it was dirty and it was bad, and it was the last taste in your mouth at the end of the game. I could maybe see something where maybe that that could brew into a fight to start the game. I could maybe see something like that. But, 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 but to Phil's point, yeah. then do it then. Yeah. Yeah, if you take issue with somebody, then do it, right, just well, do it then. Just, yeah. Like, like if, go, go, go settle it then. If you have to take a, a flyer, like, uh, okay, I'm going to remember that, which in hockey, it happens a lot. Something's wrong. Like, just do it. Hey, if, like, some, if I get hit, I'm mad. If some guy gets, gets in line at me, gets in front of me in the bar when I've been waiting for my drink, I'm not going to go back 45 <laughs> minutes later and say, Hey pal, that black cherry was mine. Exactly. I'm going to go up to him right now. Hey, about an hour ago, buddy yeah. boy. No, the next time. No, it would be the next time. It would not be. It would be the next time that you went to that bar to be like, yeah, I remember. Come back later. later. But but the one thing, too. uh, So the response that we're going to get, because we always get this, is nobody gets hurt. Nobody gets hurt. Who cares? All right. I'm going to tell you right now. Well, then the fights aren't real enough to me. Someone should be getting knocked here, out cold, get their chiclets. But here's where here's where I turned a corner completely on on the whole I'm going to remember that for next time. We will settle our score then, okay? It's the game in Calgary a few years back where Dumba threw a questionable hit, and it was questionable. The Flames held it, held their grudge until they came here, and that's when Kachuk fought Dumba and Dumba tore his peck and didn't play for how long? The rest of the year. And Matthew yeah. Dumba is a type of player that this league wants on the ice, okay? So don't tell me nobody gets hurt. They do get hurt, and when and there is no way that that was worth some stupid little fight or to try to settle some score that happened in Calgary uh, to take out a player who one, if he's out, it hurts the Wild, and two, it hurts the fans because this is the type of player that you want to see. Yeah, all right, that got that out of our systems. Got that out of our systems. Now it's time for an early nineties. Action movie classic. In the end, it took just one man, one cop, John Spartan. John Spartan? That's right. They called him the Demolition Man. Spartan file 98345, LA. Spartan file 98761C, LAPD. Are you sure this is real life? Barely. Spartan is a legend. I've been doing a historical study for 1,000 arrests over three years. All authentic criminals. There was a lot more business back then. I don't know if you guys know it, but you're uh, you're out of toilet paper. Did you say toilet paper? Oh, they used handfuls of wadded paper back in the 20s. <laughs> I'm happy that you're happy, but the place where you're supposed to have the toilet paper, you got this little shelf with three seashells on it. <laughs> he doesn't know how to use the three seashells. <laughs> see how that could be confusing. Welcome to the party, pal! Action Movie Reviews with Mackie, 
Judd and Rami. Get to the chopper! Yippee-ki-yay, mother... Sergeant Spartan, you've been sentenced to 70 years sub-zero rehabilitation in the California Cryo Penitentiary for the involuntary manslaughter of 30 innocent civilians. Stupid. You will be placed in cryostasis for the duration of your sentence, during which your behavior will be altered through synaptic suggestion. You'll be eligible for parole no earlier than the year 2046. Wow, wow we get... We get- Three in a row where we're jumping into like the 2030, 2029, 2032 with the, with the Terminator movies. Uh, action movie rewind every single Friday here on Mackie and Judd. We've done about 40 of these where we go way too deep dives into some of the classic great and corny action movies from uh, from the last several decades. And this week, I don't I'd never seen this movie. Yeah. Declan had never seen this movie. No. Nope. Judd had never seen this movie. I but it heard was, of it. Never seen it. Never it was a blockbuster it. in the early 90s. Demolition Man in 1993. Should we just jump right in here, boys? Let's do it. A lot to talk about. Oh, there is a, a lot, lot to break to down. Let's go to the film. All right. Here's the summary. Sylvester Stallone is John Spartan, which is a great name. The, John name, the name's in my notes. Yeah. Spartan. A risk-taking police officer who has a <laughs> reputation for causing destruction while carrying out his work. After a failed attempt to rescue hostages from evil crime lord Simon Phoenix, played by Wesley Snipes, they are both sentenced to be cryogenically frozen in 1996. Simon Phoenix is thawed for a parole hearing in 2032, but he escapes. Society has changed and all crime has seemingly been eliminated. Unable to deal with a criminal as dangerous as Simon Phoenix, the authorities awaken John Spartan to help capture him again. 60% on Rotten Tomatoes. The critics' consensus on Rotten Tomatoes says, quote, A better-than-average sci-fi shoot-em-up film with a satirical undercurrent. Demolition Man is bolstered by strong performances by Sylvester Stallone, Wesley Snipes, and Sandra Bullock. This is basically Sandra Bullock's... I did not know she was in this movie. I kind of thought Speed and The Net were like her first big movies. This was her first big movie. $77 million budget turned into $159 million at the box office. This movie starred Sylvester Stallone, Wesley Snipes, Sandra Bullock. Also appearances or roles by Dennis Leary. Yep. Jesse the Body Ventura. Does yep. he ever appear? Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. Toward the end, he's got a bald head. Okay. And he, he doesn't have any lines. I was lines. looking for him. And I, oh, that's why. Okay. Yeah. Rob Schneider makes an appearance in this movie. Yeah. And I don't know if you guys yeah, noticed, I but see Rob Schneider. Jack Black makes an appearance in this movie. No. A young Jack Black. He was one of the cronies who didn't have any lines. Okay. Got but it. he was so Jesse Ventura and Jack Black were among the cro- the cronies <laughs> okay. in this movie. I missed <laughs> that. Okay. So all right, let's start with, with Judd Zolgad here. Your main takeaway okay. from Demolition Man. I had fun watching this, but to be clear, I don't necessarily agree with the favorable reviews. Like, you know, hey, was that good? Um, Yeah, would you call this, so according to the critics' consensus, would you call this a strong performance by Sylvester Stallone? No, no, and I do want to, I'd like to talk, I'd like to talk about the Stallone era here that we went into, but I'll save that. Uh, So my main takeaway from this film was, was part of what, you read in the review, but I question it more than applaud it. 
I couldn't tell if this was supposed to be a comedy that was an action film <laughs> or an action film that was a comedy. Right. And I felt it fluctuated and went back and forth like, okay, this is a really funny time. Yeah, yeah. And now, but now we're going to have some good action. And it was like, um, I appreciate the fact they tried to do both, but I wanted them to sort of pick one as the overall, this is our film. And then the second one can be like, hey, but we we have some good lines. It was very clear that they were going for, and, and I, I do believe that the person who wrote this was influenced by it, they were going for a, a futuristic lethal weapon feel. Yes. But Lethal Weapon does a really good job, in my opinion, of being flat out an action film with funny lines at times. Yes. Well, like, I know what it is. It's right. an action film. And then and then Glover and Gibson have some really good lines. Uh, but I don't question about, okay, now the lines are starting to overwhelm the action. This one, I felt like the comedy at times in certain scenes and for certain periods of the film was overwhelming whelming what the film thought it was going to be and so yeah, yeah. so that's where i don't applaud this as like a a really strong film i also think that above it and beyond the acting being possibly a little bit suspect at times possibly, a possibly. well no no here's my but here's the problem <laughs> i'll say that's my worst part here's the problem I felt the writing was far worse oh yeah <laughs> so like i don't think the actors sure. were were given were put in a position to succeed. I felt like the lines were not good. And, and so it got to be people who actually probably could act a bit. were trying to go along with what the dialogue was. Right. And the dialogue at times was absolutely crappy. See, you know, I'm actually, that's my takeaway. All right. My, so my main takeaway, I'm going to be a little more harsh than, than you. So St- Stallone is my guy, like Rocky movies. I grew up just like, Watching Rocky movies all the time, and I think the the soundtrack that I have listened to the most in my life is probably the Rocky Four soundtrack. <laughs> I just love Rocky movies. I'm kind of okay. in on Rambo movies. Yeah, and I, yep, I agree. I, with that. So I grew up a huge fan of Sylvester Stallone. Yep. And then as I've gotten older, I have started to sample more and more of Sylvester Stallone's other work, and yep. we've done other Sylvester Stallone movies, Tango and Cash. But this is where I want to go with here, that right? Yes. And my main takeaway is that. Sylvester Stallone is a terrible actor. Yes. He's he's one of if not the worst A-list actors ever. Like he just and he, and 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 then my other main takeaway is that I think he doesn't realize he doesn't have the self-awareness to realize that he's a terrible actor. Yes. And he also thinks he's funnier than he is. And so he gets into these movies and he right. tries to write these like one liners and he tries to improvise some things and it just doesn't, it just comes off as corny and campy. Yes. And I'm fine with it because I know who Sylvester Stallone is and it doesn't really bother me. Like I know that he's going to just be this mealy mouthed. Uh, yeah, he is who he is. Yeah. Like, he's a he's one a caricature. Pony. Yes. And this movie was like. He was coming off some questionable movies like Stop or My Mom Will Shoot and Rocky Five just came out like two years earlier. And uh, he, I don't I think at this point it was pretty obvious that 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 Arnold Schwarzenegger had taken over as the top action star around. And there was even a reference, which yeah. we'll, we'll get to some of the stuff uh, that was said in this movie. But there was an Arnold reference of, in this movie that's hilarious of the people at that time who did these films. Stallone was easily the worst. It it felt to me, just to wrap up my long rambling point here, it felt to me like he's been watching Arnold Schwarzenegger morph from this, this bronzed, chiseled action star 
to a guy that can actually act and be funny in movies and charming and kindergarten cop should have been a terrible premise, but Arnold made it work because he's charming and he's funny and charismatic. And Sylvester saw those things from Arnold and was like, I can do that too. I can be an action guy who's also funny and charming and it just comes off weird and creepy. Yes. Will Sylvester. So the the whole movie just felt like, oh, these lines are weird. And then like, there's no chemistry between him and Sandra Bullock. And anyways, um, it was... It was classic Sylvester Stallone in all of the best and worst ways, yeah, I guess. I think that's accurate. I, I Sylvester Stallone is who he is in this movie. He's <laughs> he's an absolute goofball. He thinks he's a lot cooler than he is. I just don't understand how at some point, and, and it probably did happen, but like in the early 90s when he when he started to go downhill a little bit, and this like kind of bumped him up, but like by like Rocky Five, which I believe feels like considered the worst of all the Rockies. Not right? even close. Yeah, yep. a lot of a lot of us don't even acknowledge that it existed. Yeah. Yep. So I don't know how someone did, like didn't like sit down and be like, dude, you got to number one, stop writing movies, stop like <laughs> demanding all these scenes, stop, stop trying to basically control the film. You're like, you got a niche here, and it's really it's really good, but like also you can't also be quarterback, running back, wide receiver, defensive back, and everything else. Like you got to you got to know your role here. But my overall takeaway for the movie, uh, now I, I did not like this movie. Um, it was corny as hell. The writing is horrible. Like the '90s mentions that they throw into the future are kind of fun. I don't really know. It's way too long. It's like an. It's almost two hours long. Yeah, it's one fifty something. Thank it, God, didn't reach two. It was. Uh, it was a movie, as I usually like to say when it, when <laughs> it it's was, a bad review. It was. A, it was a cinematic experience. It was so, a movie. Really was. So I don't. I don't believe. Um, that Stallone helped write this one. He, he did not. He just did. acted. Tango and Cash, he, he did. Good. So so I'd like to talk about his career arc here, though. Because, Phil, I think that the things that you said are absolutely correct. But it, it's as if Stallone found a role in life. He is a number two or three starting pitcher. And he's, like, really good at that, okay? And he's like, I want to be an ace. And no one could say to him, Sly, no, 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 no. You cannot, you are not, you are But he are was a number one Kershaw. in the Rocky. Like, he but was here, number one in the right, Rocky But movies. I've got a theory about that. The Rocky films are, for the most part, one, it's perfect. Because it's him playing him. Like, it's not him acting. That's really him. So, so they found a vehicle there, or he did, that was perfect, right? So, like, I think in day-to-day life, that's sort of him. So the dialogue worked there because he's not trying to act. He's basically waking up and being sly. The Rambo project works perfectly because he don't talk. Yeah. And so he goes around and he's, you know, he he's not as bronzed as Arnold is, but he's a well-chiseled man. And he goes around and says, uh-huh, yeah. For my, you know, for my wife. And he, he, was, he was into the roids by the mid-late 80s. Oh, like God. like Rambo 3, which we did, he's definitely like... As cut as anyone has ever been in film in the late eighties, but right. the but but the tango and caches and this film exposed him so completely, and it was as if it was as if the people who came up with the concept for all of these films said one thing: Sly, you're a superstar. We will give you dialogue. The only thing that we ha- have to do is show your naked butt. <laughs> Because a, a in lot, Tango and Cash lot. and in this one, right, we got the naked slide. That's great. And it was as if he does look great naked. Oh, and he's a he's a chisel man. I will say. Uh, but the, all everyone, I have yet to see a Stallone film outside of the Rocky or Rambo franchise in which I say 
that's pretty good casting. And and, and I guess you know in terms of like. When he's in his lane, like especially the Creed movies now toward the end of his career, like he's I think he's great in his lane, but I think he loves getting outside of his lane almost more because it's it's called creative freedom. Right. Oh, he thinks Um, he's good. I found a list. on. I found a couple lists on the Internet. Worst A-list actors ever. And I just sort of compiled like a top five or six. And I want to get your guys thoughts on this because I think as much as I love him, I do think he's in the running for just like flat out. Like the ratio of how famous an A-list he is versus like how actually talented he is as an actor. The other guys that that kept popping up on these lists are Keanu Reeves. I think Keanu's gotten better. I think yeah. Keanu has improved definitely throughout like the two thousands. But he was and John Wick. he was awful, and, and he also I think leaned into being Keanu too. Yeah, like I agree with that. Also, that helped. Yep, he leaned Good into point. it. Yep. Uh, Mark Wahlberg pops up a lot. I think mostly just because he literally just plays Mark Wahlberg in every movie. Yeah, he, he just, just plays a. Check. Mark Wahlberg is just doing different jobs in every single movie. He's not a great actor. He's not. It's just Mark Wahlberg. He's, yeah, I've know. never sensed he's trying to act. Yeah, he's just like he's not really being Mark Wahlberg. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a little That's bit a like, um, oh my god, why, why am I spacing on the guy from Fast and the Furious who played Dom? Um, Vin, Vin Diesel. Diesel. Yeah, Vin Diesel is just sort of playing Vin Diesel in every movie. Although right? he did try, he did try a film with kids once, right? As Vin Diesel, though, right? Like, yeah, he's the just pacifier, be- I believe. It's a pretty <laughs> yeah. horrible. It's film. Vin Diesel. Kindergarten Cop with Vin, Vin Diesel, Diesel yes. stealing cars. Vin Diesel with yeah, kids. you're right. Okay. Um, Steven Seagal. Oh yeah, yeah he's, oh, he's oh, sure. god awful, but he's great. Yep. Jean Claude Van Damme is a gloriously bad actor. So bad, like kickbox. Whenever you get into like the kickboxer <laughs> right. and the blood sport, like the emotional scenes, he's just really bad. And the Nicolas Cage is another one that keeps popping up here. Interesting. He that I, yeah I I don't. Th- there are some he's Cage bad is, in. He's more of an actor than like a Jean Claude Van Damme, who's just more of like a bodybuilder and kickboxer guy, but uh, not a great actor. Okay, what was your favorite part of Demolition Man, Judd? Hmm, this was hard. Yeah, I it was. I like had to go back through, through my notes four <laughs> times as I put together my summary sheet on Thursday. I like kept going back here. It's a part, though, and I mean this. This is how few great scenes or fun scenes that I liked. It's the part where where Stallone and Sandra are driving, and she tells them about the Schwarzenegger Library and the fact that <laughs> they waived the rule so Arnold could become president of the country. That was like it was a small snippet, but I felt at least like Stallone participated in making fun of himself. Yeah, which he doesn't really like to do, I don't think, and I don't think we see a ton of so. I thought the nod there to to all that was going right at that point in time for our guy Schwartzy was pretty good. That's my favorite part. So, so my favorite part, it's it's a wider umbrella, but it included your favorite part. My favorite part was just how they viewed life in 2032, <laughs> and I just made a list of a bunch of things. Their their batting average is actually pretty high on how they viewed life and what it would be like in 2032 and I'll and I'll go through this list with you guys but what I what I didn't like about it was they like the seashells clip that we played yeah. where they're explaining Arnold you know, Arnold uh Sylvester gets out of the bathroom and he's like oh you guys wrote a toilet paper right well, and he, his pants are pulled up completely so he yeah. must be comfortable I don't think he went I think it sounds like he went in there oh, saw that there was no toilet paper okay. and then didn't I got the go impression he had gone I think but they're explaining to him the way they're explaining to him 
And they're and and Sanders explaining to her coworkers like, oh, yeah. So back in the day, yep. they used to use toilet paper, and they're like, oh, that's hilarious. As if like they've never heard of that before. Well, this movie doesn't take place like four hundred years that, later. I thought the same thing. It only takes place like thirty years later. Yeah, or like forty years later, right? Two thousand thirty-six. Yeah, I think it takes so. place like forty years later. Thirty-two, and so thirty-two. Yeah, it's twi- it, it's basically what? No, 1996 until 2032. And then. So the, it's 36 yeah. years later. Okay. And the earthquake of 2010 is also mentioned as like right. this big disastrous event. But it's, it's like. California always burr. But yes. like those people that were laughing at. Yeah. Sebastian but they would have used toilet paper yes. when 100%. they were younger. It's just super weird. Absolutely. So, but yeah, so the, uh, the earthquake of 2010, I think we're all still waiting for the big one. Like that's probably going to happen in our lives. So if you live in Los Angeles, good luck to you guys. Later, dude. Um. They were right about Zoom calls, kind of, that like people are going to be communicating yep. through video conferencing. Yep. Except the, the one thing that they didn't get right is the boardroom scenes where instead of instead of there just being one giant screen with a bunch of people like Zoom, they have these chairs and everyone's like in a chair on a screen, which is weird. But but they got Zoom right. Yep. They got a voice assisted GPS and self driving vehicles where like vehicles can kind of drive themselves into like that's going to be a thing in ten years from now. For sure. And voice assisted GPS is already a thing. People not shaking hands. They instead of shaking hands and like doing yeah. nucks and stuff, they're doing these weird like circular waves yeah. where they don't touch each other. They're not real yeah, weird, but yes. And after the pandemic, right. I th- I think that's gonna be more of a thing where we don't we don't greet each other with put her in the old vice. Thank God. Um they might have been a little wrong about TVs because they were still using box TVs instead of like high definition, you know, rectangular mm-hmm. LED screens. Mm-hmm. They were probably wrong about clothing. Everyone dressed like a Star Trek character apparently yeah, in 2032. The, the clothing is painfully bad. Yeah. Yeah, the cop clothing. Yeah. yeah. It's awful. They were definitely right about Arnold Schwarzenegger becoming a politician. Oh, that's hilarious. That's funny. Well, and it makes perfect sense now, too. Like, the whole thing makes sense. <laughs> it does. You waive the rule so he could become president. Yep. You're right. So, I just, I, so again, my favorite thing was just life in 2032 was a lot more accurate than the than fact. You the fact that, that they, that the hit songs were now old commercials was funny. Yeah, I, I don't know if I got that I one. I didn't understand that. Why didn't they just play songs? Yeah. I didn't Why understand didn't they just that. play like uh, they Better Than assume- Ezra or something? Come on, songs they've from got, the nineties. But they've got old, old like I wish I were an Oscar Mayer wiener. That but that's I thought it was weird. funny. I thought it was funny. Look, I'm trying like to give that. this film credit for something. But like, so they're they're what they're saying is, oh, we're gonna turn on like a classic music station, and it's gonna be classic commercials. But that's that's dumb. I think that's stupid. They okay. should they should just play like, funny. like Nirvana yeah. or something. Yeah, yeah, but I think they were trying. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, they were trying so hard to throw stuff at the wall when when it came Clearly. to how, how they they did the script. Yeah. Uh, Dex, what was your favorite part of this movie? Uh, it's it's Wesley Snipes. I love me some Wesley Snipes. And even though I knew he wasn't going to win throughout the entire movie, I was rooting for Simon Phoenix. I was rooting for him to be the classic bad guy and hopefully kill, really? kill off. I mean, he did kill off, you know, uh, uh, Nigel Hawthorne. He killed him off in pretty brutal fashion. He just, um, like, threw him into the fire. threw him into a fight. Like, he shot him a couple times, and, like, I think he threw him into the fire. And, like, but, and, and, he, couldn't, and he couldn't shoot him. What what was that that supposed to be? So he when he tried to either. pull the trigger to kill the bad guy Hawthorne himself, right. he couldn't pull it. So it was finally somebody else who had to shoot him before Snipes' character yeah, threw that. him into the fire. I thought I, I, thought, I was very confused I by he's that. Got trigger shy at first, but I feel like there were things. Wasn't. I feel like there were things that they took out of the film. 
that explain things, but they left in so you just didn't know. Yeah, there's a couple of production notes about that, by the way. Yeah, which I, we'll get to. Well, I, there's, I, one key, there's one key one. I love the scene at the museum where he's like looking through all the stuff, and then he's trying to break in and get the guns and get all the artillery, and then he tries to punch it, doesn't work, and then and then when he asks the guy, "How much do you weigh?" 185 pounds. Be well. And then throws him into the glass. Like, <laughs> I just loved his lines. He was vulgar. He was hilarious. I was rooting for him. And I knew he was going to die and he wasn't going to win. But I was hoping in some crazy fashion, this movie was so terrible, maybe he would. Uh, but it was Wesley Snipes. Wesley Snipes is awesome. And Snipes was good. My problem, though, was, was and this goes back to the people who wrote the film. My problem with Snipes was they couldn't decide. Like, he could have been a really bad guy or funny, but they tried to do both too much. Yeah. So, like, I felt like, no, just make him a bad guy. Like, give, give you know, Bullock and Benjamin Bratt and Stallone the lines to be wiseacres. But, like, with um, with Snipes' character, it, like, went back and forth. Like, at times I liked him. I thought it was a lot. I thought, I thought, I mean. Like, it, he was funny, it, though. And plus, I don't know. I, I it, Now, I just sort of view him through the prism of, like, he's Willie Mays Hayes in every movie. Now he's, like, criminal Willie Mays Hayes, and he's. I don't know. Uh, Joe, what was your least favorite part of Demolition Man? Okay, this is where I really filled up the notebook. This is so hard because I've got so many things here. Okay, the first thing, okay? The first thing. The beginning of the film. And this was a theme throughout the entire film. And unlike my partner, Phil Mackey, I'm willing to suspend my belief in these films, okay? So, like, I'm willing to put common sense aside at the door and watch it, okay? But from the first scene on, you're telling me that more bullets than I've ever seen miss everybody. Like, <laughs> Stallone comes down, and they're, like, shooting lasers or whatever at him. What was the scene where he was, like, clamped in that thing? Yeah. And Wesley Snipes empties a full clip. And it never hits him. It never hits him. Yeah. Yes. That was weird. Yes. But, it I mean, it him. was weird, but it's like... You don't, it doesn't have to be super believable, but at least sort of try to sell it. And all, and it's not like he ducks a a lot. They just miss him. Uh, The second thing I've got written down, and this is again just like not explainable. So it's 2032. The museum has all of these at the time, you know, archaic guns on display because in 1996 we used guns like this. Okay. The bad guys and Stallone managed to get the guns out of their cases where they have been for how long, right? They get them out, and I don't know where it comes from, but with an unlimited amount of bullets, all of these guns work perfectly. Like, absolutely perfectly. Like, they just came from the store. All right. Again, I'm willing to suspend belief, but every gun worked. And they all work great. And where did the bullets come from? Because I don't think that they had bullets that were so anyway. Yeah, I feel like also a lot's going to have to happen for the Second Amendment to uh, to just sort of cave as fast as uh, they, they think. Well, that's it did another point. Yeah, no, oh, we just peacefully took everyone's guns away and everyone's just kind of cool with it now. It's great. Yeah. It's a utopia. Unless they live below, <laughs> below the surface of the earth. Yeah. Um, Dex, what was your least favorite part of this movie? Well, it kind of pains me because I. I I've adored her in almost every film. Sandra Bullock is horrible in this movie. Oh, I thought she was. I thought she was actually a bright spot. I thought. I thought she took a terrible situation and she made some serious lemonade. She was sort me. of speed, though. It was sort of her speed character. Kinda. Oh, hey. You thought she was too corny. 
way too corny. Oh, she the was acting corny. was awful. Yeah, the act- like I thought the sex scene was great. I, oh, well, God. I had that in my notes too. Um, <laughs> yeah, the sex scene was really uncomfortable. I didn't. I just thought she was awful in this film, and it's kind of ironic because it, it like this is her first major film that launches her into speed and then launches her into other other cinematic great movies. But like, I thought she's terrible. And, and even I looked up and did research afterwards. She won a Raspberry for this award, which is oh, wow. which is an award for the, it's the opposite of Oscar. She won a Raspberry for worst supporting actress of nineteen ninety three. That's hilarious. Congratulations was, to her for that. I, I feel bad because I love Sandra Bullock. I really do. But she was horrible in this film. Absolutely horrible. The other thing too is like, and this is. I don't know what influence Sylvester Stallone had on the the actual dialogue, but the whole thing throughout the movie where they gave her slightly incorrect phrases yep. from the 90s. Malaprops, yeah. Where she would say, let's blow this guy. Yeah. And he would be, blow away, blow away. Blow away. It was, blow and they away. did that like six times. It was like, okay. Yeah. yeah. These aren't so, funny. So here, here's where I think what we have is a case of people that couldn't write, though. So Sandra Bullock's character, to me, in this film, is not that d- different from her character in Speed. Like, they're very, you're, you know, they're both sort of ditzy, but sp- but supposed to be sort of tough, right? But the character, as it was written in Speed, was, I thought, pretty damn good. I almost don't blame her here. I think this script sucked. Like, <laughs> I think it was terrible. And, like, they told her, you know, hey, just be as cheerful and stupid as possible. I mean, the, the character that... That brat plays. So he he's her sidekick as the, what, de- deputy or something. Um, he's awful, too. Like, it's just so silly. And it's like nobody gave these people direction of, we want you to sort of be silly but not, you know, incredibly stupid. But Dex, I think her character is so poorly written yeah. that she tried. And and I think that they, they to a certain way, uh, perfect it in speed. And it was really good because it was a good character and it was well-written. I think this script was horse bleep. It works for speed because it was more realistic. Like this is not realistic. It, it's a future. Think weird about what we situation, just said too. Right? Yes. Like yeah, it's just like it works in speed because <laughs> think you about can what see he just said. Bus. I mean, so. speed right. is only mildly more realistic Correct. than what happened in Demolition Man. But Correct. Um, all right, my least favorite part, I think, was just how they viewed the criminal justice system <laughs> in 2032. <laughs> So, just pulling this from the summary, the city's new California cryo penitentiary. A prison in which convicts are cryogenically frozen and exposed to subliminal rehabilitation techniques. And so Stallone's character was was rehabbed in part with knitting and like they can just like program you while you're frozen for 40 years. So I have so many questions about like what happened between 1996 and 2032 to A, they just got rid of all crime. So yep. like how many... So how many people? I'm going to say it went below ground. How many people are in jail in the United States? Let's see here. There's a great documentary about this on Netflix, by the way. I think it's called The Thirteenth. Everybody should watch mm-hmm. it. Uh, as of 2016, 2.3 million people were incarcerated. Let's round up to say it's like 2.5 or 3 million people are incarcerated by uh, by like 2020. Now I don't know. Maybe it was more like 1.5 or 2 million in the mid 90s, but. Are they really going to have like 1.5 or 2 million of those cryogenically frozen bins that they put Sylvester Stallone in? Yep. Like that's how we're dealing. Oh, sorry. I uh, I know that uh, it was kind of a hung jury situation there, but we're just going to cryogenically freeze you for 50 years. I don't know. The whole thing was kind of weird. And then I also just I'm wondering like to have a utopia like they had in 2032 mm-hmm. where everyone's just like happy 
and there's no crime and no one's killing anybody or committing any heinous crimes, right? No one's eating unhealthy. Like, how did they get there? We're, it's like, illegal. We're, we're so far away so now. It's illegal. Yeah. <laughs> like, did they? How did they eliminate poverty? How did they eliminate poor education well, and all the things that lead to higher crime rates? That right? gets to a good point. Uh, that I don't understand why they didn't d- develop because it was actually not a bad idea. So, a lot of the things that you're talking about, the guy who leads the city uh, drove people who were were free thinking to the tunnels, right? So they go down. And that's my question. Dennis Leary was well, is and was good. He is good in this. Why didn't they develop, like there was a lot of Stallone or, or a lot of people that I could have brushed aside to give him more screen time? Because I actually thought the fact that they drove people who didn't believe or think like they did and like you salt below ground. That was a good part of the story. That was really intriguing. Yeah, I feel like I, I like that. They need to they need to flesh that out a little bit more. I need to know like how did we get to where they got to in 2032? Yeah. Now, they said Simon Phoenix committed the first murder since 2010. So we've gone 22 years yeah, 16 without a murder. 16 years they they said no unnatural deaths. For 16 years yeah. was the quote that they had. And yeah. po- police didn't even know how to deal with criminals anymore. They had like a manual that they were using for step-by-step like step communication. Like stun guns or something? Yeah. Instead of guns? Very odd. All right. What is you know, what is the, 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 the thing that is the least believable from this movie? The least believable thing? Judd. Let's see. Which one of my notes do I want here? <laughs> okay. This one. So John Spartan in, in 1996 apprehends or goes in to get Snipes's character because he, he had taken a bus hostage and what, I think there were 30 people on board of the bus, blah, blah, blah. Okay. So as, so one, one, as they're about to come out of the building, Snipes blows it so sky high that the entire <laughs> building collapses and they both walk out, but they're in the vicinity. So you would be crushed or killed. Okay. That's the first part. But the second part is, Known criminal, Simon Phoenix. Like, we know he is a badass, right? Like, there is, he is the baddest of the bad. He is in 96 or 2022 or whatever. He is a bad man. He basically just says, John Spartan killed those people and didn't care. And they're like, oh, okay, cool. You yeah, go- just... You're cool. guilty. All right. You're guilty. <laughs> Better call and, a lawyer. And we're going to freeze you cryogenically. Like, think about that. Like, Better call John a lawyer. John Spartan in, in this world is supposed to be this great cop, right? He's, like, taking people into um, custody, all these arrests. And the biggest criminal in Los Angeles accuses him of something. And just very quickly, he ends up being cryogenically frozen for his crime. I mean... I, what off the point too of of John Spartan as this you know this great cop? It feels like this is the this is the peak, or maybe maybe we had peaked with Beverly Hills Cop, but like America got so aroused by hero cops, cops that would risk taking cops, right? We loved yeah, risk taking cops in the eighties and the nineties, absolutely, absolutely. Like every year, there's like five risk taking cop movies, and Stallone was in a handful of them. And this is just like this was almost maybe the 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 peak of like it's been 
you know, 48 hours into Beverly Hills Cop, into the Lethal Weapon movies and all these, and, like, now we get this demolition man where not only is he a risk-taking cop, but, like, he blows up the buildings where he arrests people. And it doesn't matter if there's 20 hostages. He's the demolition but man. Like, like, the, the thing I don't get is, is in this film, Tango and Cash, same thing. Cops, these guys get convicted and put in jail like when they wouldn't, they wouldn't be. Right. It's like Tango and Cash, same thing. And they get accused by, by people that are known criminals and like they're like, okay, yeah. but we believe them. You're going to jail. It's the same thing. Yeah. Uh, my least believable thing from this movie, I think, mm-hmm. is, and this is all due respect to a great fast food chain restaurant, but the Taco Bell won the franchise restaurant war. You've got notes on that. And every single every single restaurant is Taco Bell, apparently. It, it's in, in the production notes, though. It's, yeah, yeah. It's we'll explained. Get, we'll, we'll, should we, it's, should it's, we get to that now? It's, it's explained. It's pretty hilarious because okay. I, I, right. I made a new subcategory, Most Believable, and I said I bet Taco Bell would be the one that would survive. <laughs> I love Taco Bell, and I think it would be the one to survive. So, so for the border. So in the European versions of this movie, they actually dubbed out and edited out the Taco Bell stuff because Taco Bell is more of an American brand. And and they replaced it with Pizza Hut. One that I would have thought was more of an American yeah. brand, too, but they put Pizza Hut in <laughs> for the European dubs of this movie. Um and the, and I was I was wondering too because they said that it's not allowed it's illegal to eat meat in 2032 and I'm wondering like so like is it fish tacos like what are they what are they eating at Taco Bell cheeseritos baby a lot of cheeseritos uh, all right Declan what's the least believable thing for you in this movie for me it's all the fines that you get for swearing <laughs> the weird pregnancy rules the virtual sex reality uh-huh. situation. All those things are very least believable. Actually, the, the virtual sex thing is, does not surprise me because I think that is probably on the come up. It's such a meathead Stallone it's, thing to yeah. be like, let me show you what it's yeah. like to be with a real man. He has to, well, he has yeah. to grab her and kiss her yeah, at the end. It's, and- it's ridiculous. <laughs> but yeah, those fines, like, so like, are they like set up throughout the entire like world and like where you're at? Like if you said bleep, like it would just Apparently so. $100 fine. Like it, it Declan Goff, that's $50. I would be screwed. Although, I'd Stallone's be out of money. smart man. He drops a, a swearing brush. We can get some toilet, toilet paper. Yeah. I yeah. like that. Yeah, there you go. I'll be right back <laughs> in a few minutes. <laughs> Gonna go take a giant dump. <laughs> it's Rocky. It's Rocky trying to act. But yeah, least believable be all these swear the swearing fines, yep. the toilet paper thing. I mean, and that's coming from a guy who is now totally all in on a bidet. But it, it the outfits and the weirdness of it, it's all very not believable yeah. at all. Let's get to some production notes here from this movie, aside from the Taco Bell Pizza Hut thing. So Steven Seagal had originally been attached as a leading actor when they were conceptualizing this film. And that makes more sense. Jean-Claude Van Damme had been offered the part of the villain. <laughs> so that would have been fun. I could I could actually see this movie with exactly those two guys in those roles. And and I think it actually works more. Because it'd be so stupid then. Yeah. Right. That you'd be like, yeah, I, I sort of like this. Stallone passed on the project at first, but came back around to it. He said he liked the idea of equal opponents in Spartan and Phoenix and decided to take a chance on doing something he had not done before. Stallone wanted Jackie Chan for the role of Simon Phoenix. This is before Jackie Chan was huge in America. Chan turned down the role, not wanting to play a villain. Wesley Snipes initially turned down the role several times before they went and convinced him to uh, to play the role of Simon Phoenix. A subplot, this is what Judd's going to love, a subplot involving Spartan's daughter was cut for pacing reasons. So they were going to have like a some sort of story arc but they, involving Spartan's daughter. But they didn't cut the fact that they talked ab- about her. So like at first, I, I thought for a while, okay, 
Sandra Bullock's going to turn out to be his kid okay, before so, the weird sex scene. So here's the rest of the production <laughs> note. This led to some confusion at test screenings Thank where you. audiences thought Sandra Bullock was the daughter and reached and reacted negatively to the scene where they were about to have sex. Didn't you think that too, oh, though? Oh, my God. It actually, that didn't cross my mind. That crossed my mind that it set up perfect, that she'd be his kid. Yeah, I mean, like the sex scene surprised me. That would have made sense in retrospect, for sure. Yeah, but anyway, he's so to, he's got a dead wife not his and a daughter, <laughs> and like she just—they talk about her like twice. Oh my god! In, in the course yeah. of the film, and never show her, and clearly they just cut that scene out, which is good because if if they had not cut that scene out, Declan, we'd be talking about a film that went more than two hours. <laughs> yes, my and god. I'd rather cut out the daughter scene. Totally. But anyway, that was really weird. Um, any other thoughts before we get to the definitive bad guy rankings uh, here? Yes, I, I've got one more unbelievable, least believable thing. Okay. So, a scene towards the end. Stallone and Snipes are fighting in the car. And the doors of the car open and at one point they basically shoot the scene so Stallone is hanging out of the car and I think it looks like his head is supposed to hit the freeway from the moving car like twice so the scene gets done and not only is he not bleeding still conscious and alert and absolutely fine the only collateral damage is his shirt is slightly ripped yep it was a pretty big rip though It was a pretty pretty big rip. <laughs> you were correct about that. <laughs> but but it's like, so, like, they showed his head basically, supposedly, on the screen, spike off the freeway, yeah. and all he has, there's no, uh, there's no bruising, no, you know, black eye, no blood, a slightly ripped shirt. Yet, Sylvester Stallone gets into a boxing match with literally anyone in any of the Rocky movies. Exactly. And after like five punches, he's just cut wide open, cut me milk, you know. <laughs> His cheeks are blow, you know, basically expanding like the Metrodome. You're right. All right, definitive bad guy rankings. So we we go off of three main pieces of criteria here. How iconic was the bad guy? How ruthless was the bad guy? And how charismatic was the bad guy? So the top bad guys we have reviewed to this point are the Terminator, Hans Gruber from Die Hard, Michael Myers from Halloween, Cyrus the Virus from Con Air, Brad Wesley from Roadhouse, and Cobra Kai from Karate Kid. The worst that we have reviewed are the incompetent Russian military from Rambo 3, the Muggers from Death Wish, the French drug lord from Bad Boys, Gans and Billy Bear from 48 Hours, and Cullen from Kindergarten Cop. Right in the middle, if we want to go like right in the, the median area, we've got Lord Humongous from Mad Max 2, Molaram from Indiana Jones Temple of Doom, the Albanian traffickers from Taken, and uh, the rogue CIA agent from The Expendables. I actually think, as awful as this movie was, Simon Phoenix, played by Wesley Snipes, yeah. checks a lot of boxes. For sure. Pretty iconic. When you th- like Demolition Man, when you think Demolition Man, you actually think Wesley Snipes to yeah. me before you think Sylvester Stallone. He's definitely ruthless, and he's very charismatic. I totally. actually think Simon Phoenix is knocking on the door like he's he's a top 10 candidate here, maybe even knocking on the door of something higher. What do you guys I, think? I think he's tier two. I don't think he's tier one. He's not in the Terminator level. For sure. But I, I think he's ruthless enough. He's, he's in the Brad Wesley level. Yeah. Oh yeah, he definitely is. I think he's in. I, I think he's in. The he could be two. right around there. Yes, for I sure. think he's that's above. Fine. I think he's more. He's certainly more iconic than Brad Wesley from Roadhouse. I think that's absolutely fine. So that puts him fifth if we put him right above. Brad and again, Wesley. he had to overcome the fact that it's a terrible script. Yes. 
And I mean, he did some good things. And he did. I just wanted his character to have a little bit more, a, a little bit less fun because he was a good bad guy, but then he would, I just, I mean, how is this script approved? <laughs> Dude, it made $160 million at the box office. I know. Sometimes, sometimes if you just take two huge good. superstars and you put anything together, it But works. you're so right about Stallone. Like he was so, how how did you watch Tango and Cash and not say to yourself, we got to get somebody else? <laughs> Like Tango and Cash, which I think was four years before this, to me is the poster child for we've taken it too far with Sly. But it's but that's not the case because I, let me pull this up because Tango and Cash. I get what no, you're I saying. No, I know you're right. Tango and Cash made 120 million at the box. I know, up. so we sold, so, so they don't care. You could just put Sylvester on. Let's make him a fat cop and call it Copland. Like, I actually, went, you could do anything. I went to that. We should do that one. I went to Copland. Is that an action movie? A little bit, yeah, yeah. In fact, in fact, I've I've got a candidate to put on our list that's going to border but i'd like to do it but um i went and saw copland and uh yeah you're right but he is i just think that he is always rocky playing a character yeah and that's why he's so good in rocky so how would you rate we'll start with judd here how would you rate this movie one through ten the best movies we've reviewed so far the only three perfect ten scores are terminator die hard and halloween followed by taken which is a 9.5 john wick commando beverly hills cop terminator 2 the Fast and the Furious, The Expendables, Top Gun, and Roadhouse. The worst ones we've reviewed are Kindergarten Cop at a 2.8 tied with Shoot 'em Up. That was so much fun. Bloodsport, Mad Max 2, and Wanted. And smack dab in the middle, Die Hard 2, Lethal Weapon, Casino Royale, Karate Kid, and Speed. 1 through 10, start with Judd. I'm going to give this a 3. It, I thought it, was, it wasn't good. It just wasn't good. And in, th- there's lots of blame to go around here. Um, but it's a three. It like it was because because it didn't reach two hours. I didn't hate it, but yeah, I mean, it couldn't decide what it was. It just couldn't. It couldn't decide. Yeah. And I, I know bad. it was successful. I know Sly uh, sells at the box office, but anyway, I'm gonna go with three. I can't do more than that. What about you, Dex? It's a one. I think it's I think it's oh. the worst movie we've ever reviewed. <laughs> okay, that's not true, but I I I don't I Dude, can't I argue with you. I, I love I, the gumption. I did not enjoy this film at all. It's way too long. Stallone is peak Stallone. That's fine, but right. the plot is dumb. Sandra Bullock is awful. I wanted Wesley Snipes to win. That's how bad I wanted. That's how bad this movie was. I wanted the bad guy to he was actually the most win. Likeable character. Yeah, he was most likable. But I it, this is a horrible film. It's a one. Wow, that is bold. Um, I'm going to stick with my my, my original gut. Nine. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah. I, my, I'm going to stick with the number. I'm not going to let you guys sway me. I had it as a four. Okay, it's a four, and 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 I'm looking at some of our other ones. Like I can't put it, I can't put it personally below some of the other ones we have in here. But me giving it a four and averaging it with your guys' scores, four three one, makes it a two point seven, which is officially the worst yes! movie we have reviewed. Yes! So far, wow! Action movie rewind. Wow! Just below. Congratulations, Sylvester (laughs) Stallone. Come on down. Bam. Okay, so here's what I would love to do. I would love to. to, We've got so many movies on the board. Bottom five now, Phil. Can you read that? Uh, The bottom five in order from worst up to fifth worst are Demolition Man, Kindergarten Cop, Shoot 'Em Up, Bloodsport, and Mad Max Two. Okay. And I can't believe Bloodsport is on this list. It is an American classic, but that's fine. Well, you guys yeah, can do except whatever you want. Except for the, the guy who, who starred in the film. 
Um, so I have let's 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 play a similar game to the one we played last week, and that we've got a bunch of we can maybe do this every week um, or many weeks moving forward. I, we have like a full bin of movies that we have recommended that the listeners have recommended. I have three right now that I'd like to put in a bucket, and then if you had one you were going to add, Judd? I've got a question about one. Okay. I'd like to add one. It's a good film. It's long, but I think I think it qualifies as action, and I think it'd be fun to break down The Departed. Does The Departed meet the criteria? I don't – it's – so my first instinct is The Departed is such a great movie. Yeah, and at I don't first know if I thought enough to make fun at of. At first I thought the same thing. I don't know if it's like except it involves Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> I think there's other there's got to be other Mark Wahlberg movies we can make fun of. Okay. I would worry that if we do The Departed it's like that's what we're I going to spend one. the whole time saying how awesome the movie is. Okay. Same with like like I love and we've got this one before like No Country for Old Men is one of my all-time favorites. That's fair. Yeah. yeah it's, 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 it's an amazing same, movie. It's in the same bin as that. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So, fair, all right, fair. so I have I have three that are on our list, and actually, Declan, which one were you going to add? Is it an you were going to add uh, a King Kong? Is that that hasn't that, come that hasn't out come yet? Come out yet? And I'm using that as an executive decision when it comes. Okay. out, By the way, so when that comes out, I we'll do the it. new one. Yep. So, Declan, I'm going to give you three movies, and I'm not going to let you choose which one. I'm going to make you pick a number that corresponds to one here. So you're going to pick, but you're going to pick a number. Okay. One through three, and I'm going to shuffle these up. Beverly Hills Cop Two, Rush Hour. And San Andreas with The Rock, Dwayne Johnson are the three candidates for next week. They've been on our list. And so, Declan, I have ordered these movies one through mm-hmm. three on my list. Mm-hmm. And you just have to pick a number one through three. <laughs> three. San Andreas yes! with The Rock, That's what I wanted! Dwayne Johnson. Nice. Our first rock movie. Nice. Or we could just review the 2000 Royal Rumble where he fights mankind, I think, in a... Some sort I would, of a. I also would not mind that. <laughs> I like. I like it. All right, San Andreas, the biggest. Actually, this is a good segue. This is probably like a prequel to Demolition Man, where they go over the earth, the big earthquake yeah. that happens in like 2010. Oh, this is the 2010 earthquake. <laughs> yeah. So, all right. So next week, San Andreas with The Rock, nice. Dwayne Johnson, trying to save his family and a bunch of other people with huge muscles and tattoos. And he was in a film about a burning tower as well, right? Yes, we we have that one on here too. I think it's called is it skyscraper, skyscraper or something? Yeah. Alex but that's not one. San Andreas. Skyscraper, yeah. Okay, so that's we, different that, than San Andreas. That one's in our in our bin, too. I hear you. So I, 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 I kind of like this, where we're all adding to the bin, and then we just, like, we pick some candidates and choose at random and do it okay. that way. So yeah. uh, my worry when we put them on the internet is that, like, it's people that don't always listen to the show, and they're just, like, picking the most popular movies instead mm-hmm. of the ones that work best for the show. Not that we've had any bad ones, like... <laughs> well, this one movies, worked but, perfect. Yes. <laughs> this film worked perfect for the show. Yeah. So, all right, that's a that's a wrap on action movie rewind. I'll send you a memo. Just do your jump. What is John Spartan doing here? Huh? Did you invite him to this little party of ours? Look, you finish your business, and I'll stuff him back in the freezer. Think of him as a guarantee. A guarantee. Well, you don't have much of a guarantee. I took care of Spartan once. I'll take care of him again. Now we need those men defrost. All right, we wrap with Roycey every Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday on Mackie and Judd. On Mondays on scorenorth.com, Apple, and Spotify, you can find new episodes of Roycey Unchained with Judd. Uh, Pat, how much would you trade for Deshaun Watson? I'd give him three number ones, uh, but they'd have to get Chet. 
cousins off my hands, obviously, because I couldn't afford it. I'd give them two number ones for Watson and one for taking cousins. So that'd be uh, three. But yeah. look at it. This year you give them a good, what, 14? Yep, 14. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Correct. Well, if you get him and you got Delvin Cook and Jefferson and Thielen and a acceptable, not a great, but a, you don't need the great offensive line anymore. You just need an acceptable one. You're going to score 35 points a game. So you're going to end up drafting 25th or 28th, uh, you know, the next year. So, I mean, this is, this is, we can win the Super Bowl. Yeah. If you get him. Do you think, do you think it's even a conversation over at the Twin Cities Orthopedic Performance Center? I don't know because one thing is he, he has a no trade. So not only can he demand a trade, but he can, demand to go where he wants and do you think he wants to come here and work with Clint Kubiak uh, and a coach who wants to give the ball to Delvin Cook Uh, I mean this would if I got him I and he told me he wanted Eric Vietnamese as the coach I'd fire him that's what I said yes yes. I'm starting to think like Judd it's frightening by the way (laughs) But major major changes. Yes, I would. If the Sean Watsons didn't want Zim, I'd fire Zim to get the Sean Watson. I am so proud right now. These guys have now demonstrated to me. I was always kind of a okay. The quarterback is important. It has now been demonstrated in modern football. You need one of these guys. Else, else, eventually you're going to get beat. Right. Mm Hmm. You need you need one of these guys, and he's twenty five. His kid, you're good for ten years. You know, yeah. So, I it's it's almost like if if they don't at least make a push for it, it's almost disappointing. Like what you the franchise has been waiting for this. They thought they had it in Dante. Wait, wait, wait. Can we examine what just occurred? Seventy five, right? Seventy five year old Patrick Royce, as Rocky said, he changed. If you can Speculation. I'm so proud yeah. of you right now. <laughs> you just went down the path I went down yesterday. This is fantastic. I know that. Judd, Judd, by the way, Judd also sent them Daniil Hunter just to make sure that the trade. Oh, went I got through, it done. So. Yeah, I got yeah. it done. Oh, I'd do that. I'd give him two number ones and Daniil Hunter with the bad neck, you know. So, I mean, Daniil Hunter is a, you know, God love him. He's a moron if he thinks he's going to get the biggest contract if defensive end has, unless he goes out and plays. You know, they're that. You know, if you know, you you got to play. You got to play to get that contract. Aaron Donald got that contract because he kicked that crap out of everybody and played dang near every game. Mm-hmm. And uh, you don't get that kind of contract if you miss a season with a bad neck. If he missed the season with a ACL, I see. Okay, yeah, he'll be back. He'll be back. They can fix those, but we don't know about next. So, I, I don't. No way. But yeah, you gotta. I mean, heck, who's after him? Everybody, right? I think, yeah. as you guys said, Miami probably give you two and a number one, huh? Mm-hmm. That's how much. That's how well thought of he is. Yeah. 
I guess I've loved him since he beat Alabama. <laughs> you know, so I, I, I have no doubt how good he is. So. Yeah, it'll be. I think the the, Jet, the Jets can offer up Darnold, and they got a bunch of first round. And picks, I think he so. wants to go to. The, I think his first two choices are the Jets and Dolphins second. But the Jets can yeah. screw up a one car funeral. So San, Francisco, San Francisco should trade. If San Francisco trades for Deshaun Watson, they win the Super Bowl. They're being year. they're being linked to Stafford now. Yeah. So, is that right? Yeah. Who's, be- who's the guy in New England going to get? Boy. I'd try and get Stafford if I were him. But who's Stafford going to throw to? Like He has better weapons in Detroit than he does in, <laughs> they got, in they've New got, England. They've got to do something to fix that. I mean, you cannot, you know, you cannot perform miracles. You can't get four or 5'11 white guys yeah. who aren't that fast and win with, uh, you know, Matt Stafford, you could you could with Brady and everything else you did, but uh, those the, the miracle days for Bill are over with those weapons he has now. No, you're right. Yeah, so I I don't know, but he'll he'll get some. He's not going to take this for another year, is he? I mean, he's pushing seventy, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. Belichick? Yes, he, he is. He don't want to. He don't want to go flaming out at six and ten for the rest of his life. So. Yeah, I mean, Robert Kraft might not want this to go. He's 80. You know, he might not want this to go on much longer, too. Yeah, he'll, well, he can always get a back rub with that. Okay. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> Just go down to Florida, strip mall. Right. They got those great back he's rub in places in Florida. He's not afraid to go to Florida. He's got. Uh, no, he's not. He's at his condo in Florida right now. Isn't sure. it, wouldn't it be easier instead of you entering this this lottery in Minnesota? Couldn't you just go get in line at a strip mall in Florida and get the vaccine right away? Well, supposedly they vaccinated a million of us old bogies down there, but how many are there? I mean, the state's got ten, right? What's what's the population of Florida? I don't know. I just don't. I don't know. I just I just think I have a better chance here than I do down there. Plus, what the hell am I going to do? You know, there's. Yeah, well, are they, they going to even? Do we have any idea? Are they going to let media covers? Like, can you go over to the ballpark? Is there be spring and training? Just hang out. As far as I know, I'm probably that's the problem. I mean, I'm always down there at this time of year, and I could wander over there and talk to Bruce Dar Granderall three weeks before anybody else does, right? Because mm-hmm. he's roaming around. Well, I don't think that's. I, I would very, be very surprised if any of that's permitted right now. Absolutely, yeah. By the way, gentlemen, has there ever been anything less well-reported nationally, not just locally, than what's going on with baseball? It's Yeah. it's And, and, and this guy, and Manfred tried. Now the word is stories out that Manfred sent one of his guys to Arizona to discuss with Arizona officials, maybe it's a good idea to put the Cactus League off for a month. Mm-hmm. Oh, sure. Yeah, so I'm not surprised. That, that they were in on that decision that to get the state of Arizona to announce that, to put more pressure on the players. Because these guys want to start spring training in the middle of March, the season sometime in later in April, and cut it down to 140 games or something and not have to pay up as much money. That's and the players are raising hell about that. So, uh, hey Pat, off that point, why are we not t- talking about the fact that, as far as I can tell, right now there should be a discussion about the fact that we might not have a season. I think we will, 
But I mean, right now they can't agree on anything. Spring no. training is supposed to start, so why why are we just go- going with this whole thing of well, we're going to have it at some point in time? If they can't get their act together and agree, I don't know that we're we're for sure going to have a season right now. No. And uh, boy, uh, what what did Tony Clark agree to with baseball to not say anything? You know, it's like. He hadn't said anything either, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Manfred's not saying anything. Tony Clark's not saying anything. Yep. Uh, you know, it's, it's, they just, they won't be upfront about anything. I guess baseball, the owners got a lot of heat last time for coming out and putting the pressure on the players publicly, right? Remember that? They, you mm-hmm. know, everybody was saying that they were trying to make the, they jumped, they seized the opportunity to make the players the bad guys last year. And uh, so, I don't know, maybe because Tony and the fellas raised hell last year when they were trying to do it. Everybody said, ah, you're in the middle of a pandemic, blah, 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 spoiled brats. But uh, I, I don't know. We, the, the information that's out there is unbelievable. What? I mean, what's the city of Fort Myers supposed to do? Are they supposed to prepare for having teams there or not? Yeah. Uh, so are, do, you, do you think the owners, like, let's fast forward two years. What do the owners want two years from now? What What do they want What do they want out of all this hardball that's been played? Do they want fewer reg- – I, I can't imagine they – I mean, they want more money, think, but what do they want I, the I sport know, to look nobody like? Wants, nobody wants fewer regular season games because – they want to charge you as much for season tickets as they can. So, but you know, that should, I, I don't know what they want. I really don't know. What this, they want. this they year, want they don't want to play games unless there's fans in the stadium. So I get that. Yeah, right. I, yeah, I think, yeah. I think the one key thing that they absolutely want is expanded playoffs and they don't share in the cash that comes in from those playoffs. Not as much money. They don't share it at the same percentage. Yeah, correct. Mm-hmm. But I think that's the one thing that they basically want, and the players are wisely saying, bleep yeah. that. The problem is the, the, <laughs> yeah. whole, the whole thing needs to just be deconstructed. I, yeah. I think, because and this is just my opinion, but I think they need to make their offseason more fun and exciting, and to do that, you need more contract structure. You need Guys need to know going into the offseason about what they're going to make and how many years, and baseball has zero structure. But I don't know how you can put a cap structure in when all your money is local money and the Yankees bring in six hundred million and the Rays bring in a hundred million, right? Yeah. Well, I heard a really good conversation uh, last night, and I can't remember actually where it was. Might have been on ESPN late day, late night. It might have been on I was in the car, MLB Network. I'm not sure. And it's about the idea that now. That the baseball's becoming more and more like the NFL and the, even the NBA, where the big guys are going to get all the money, and they're going to have, you know, the the gap. You know, the they're, Mike Trout's going to get his thirty million, and you're going to have twenty guys getting their twenty, like the quarterbacks. The superstars are going to be the quarterbacks, and they're going to be getting thirty percent of the payroll one guy and the you know you're gonna have this there's gonna be no middle class you know it's gonna be a bunch of cheap guys and then the three or four guys that are making it all 
because those contracts are out of control, the big ones, you know, mm-hmm. and, the, and the guys in the middle, the, if you're 31 years old and you're not a star, good luck. Buddy. I mean, Andrew, Andrelton Simmons in, in other eras of baseball would have gotten a three-year deal for 30, and yeah. it's like he's he's a, a Hall of Fame defensive player who just got a one-year flyer in his prime for $10 million. No. And uh, basically, the Twins are saying, you know, we think Royce Lewis will be ready next year. So you can come here and play your arse off, and we still aren't going to keep yeah. you. you hey, know? have you guys seen how much money the National League Central has spent collectively on free agents this winter? About $12. $4 million. Really, the division has spent. Does that include the the Cubs de- deal that yes. they just did with Cole, uh, Cole Stewart Jack Peterson? Uh, well, I, I thought you were going to say the the oh, Cubs the deal Cole with, Stewart deal. The, no, the Cubs signed Cole Stewart for seven hundred thousand dollars, and that pushed the spending <laughs> to four million. Now, how about how about the Red Sox and the Cubs? Yep, are two cute little franchises that we everybody rooted roots for to play in the postseason because they do the gangbuster ratings, both cutting payroll, both saying, Pat, ah, we're not. The, cu- you know, the Cubs, the Cubs are screwed. The Cubs, the Cubs are going crazy cutting, you know, trying to get rid of people. But, it's unbelievable. But, Pat, the, the Cubs are screwed. So they, they bought up all of that land around the stadium, right? There's nobody yeah. there. There's no, no one there now, no fans. And I, I think that marquee sports network that they started to show their games has not exactly done great. So they're losing a ton, non-baseball-wise, but it's still a lot. And yeah, I think that's but, why they're cutting uh, so much. You're still the Cubs. You're the cute little yeah. the Red Sox next year when they do come back, the old days of sellout, automatic sellouts are over there because <laughs> they got everybody mad at them. And the same thing's going to happen with the Cubs. Everybody's going to be flocking to the south side to see the mighty whiteys. They're trying, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so well pat enjoy your weekend and um we'll talk to you next week and i was i was just trying what to pull would up... you suggest i do to enjoy the weekend well you got any hints you got any hints don't watch the wolves <laughs> okay start off by not watching you know what watch the feisty fighting wild yeah when they start tomorrow night's game with a fisticuffs off the opening face-off okay i gotta bring this up one more thing. We are bashing the hell out of the Wolves right now. Well, they're putting a G League team on the floor. Look, I mean, Anthony Edwards and a Culver's. I mean, they look who's playing. I, you know, I hate to use injuries and sickness as an excuse, but we have no idea if they're any better or not because they look who they're playing. It's awful. Yeah, I think. I mean, I think it's discouraging when like Josh Akogi is three years into his NBA career and still can't hit a wide open jump shot. And this is four consecutive threes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that I know all those things are discouraging, but who could they be with that collection? I mean, this is G League. This is terrible. Even yeah. Cal, you know Culver's not playing. Russell has decided to retire, but he had a bone bruise, and we all gave him so much heat about not play playing from a day of rest, so now he's trying to prove that he was hurt. Uh, yep. He's a he's a real team leader. How can you – this is the bottom line. 
the only team that could trade Andrew Wiggins and get screwed. Yep. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Yeah. This is your weekend assignment. We want you to read the story about how the California wildfires were set by a secret Jewish space laser and get back to us next week. <laughs> All right. Uh, they weren't the pedophiles that are being uh, that were programmed in the basement of the pizza joint by uh, Hillary Clinton. The pizzeria, yeah, in Washington. No, it's not that. Yeah, those same those same people, I think, created the uh, space laser. So oh, okay, yeah. good enough. And See in, ya. invest in <laughs> stocks too, Royce. All right, that's a wrap. Game on share, this game week. game fund. Do game, that. Game fund. Do that. Judd's a big stock market guy. Do that, Ricey. Get rich over the weekend. It's Funko Land. It's fun. It's Funko. I remember Funko, Funko Land. Land. I love Music Funko Land. Land. Yeah. yeah, Funko back Land. Back in my great. day. All right, we became best buy. We got to run. We'll be back on on Monday. And don't forget Daily Vikings conversations, Purple Daily podcast, Apple, Spotify, ScoreNorth.com, and uh, and our and our two YouTube channels, Purple Daily and Score North MN, where we just surpassed fifteen thousand subscribers. Thank you guys. We'll see you next time. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples, there are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone.